At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Now we're here, guys. We uh, It is the Huddle Up! Podcast coming to you from the Vivid Seat Studio. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, as you can see, my partner in crime, Zach Kelberman. He is the lead NFL writer for Heavy.com. And we are here to answer questions in the Mile High Mailbag, engage with our awesome listeners and viewers as we simulcast this on YouTube. What's the point spread for the Chargers game? A. Morrow's asking, 1983. I think they win big, he says. Um, I'm not sure yet. I'll pull that up. But, but Zach, did you get a chance to uh, see what Vic Fangio had to say on Wednesday? He was asked whether or not he has established and assembled a council of players yep. to kind of keep a pulse on what's going on with the roster, what's going on in the locker room. And basically it's all the veterans, you know, it's eight dudes. I think he, he listed, you got your Chris Harris, Von Miller, Derek Wolf. I think Kareem's in on it, Ron Leary, few others, but uh, what are your thoughts on the council? I kind of touched on it on yesterday's pod. I like the fact that he's kind of getting the lay of the land and kind of getting the pulse of the team, but he doesn't have any young or rookie players in there. No Philip Lindsay, uh, no Reisner, who in my opinion is like that mouthpiece of the offensive line. I like the idea in practice. I just wish he would include some more players, make it sort of all-inclusive, and really get all angles of what the team is thinking. Because the younger players, Cortland Sutton, Philip Lindsay, Noah Fant, those are the future. And you kind of want to hear uh, their perspective, too, and get their two cents, not just the veteran guys, most of whom won't even be around next year. Yeah. By the way, Chargers, six and a half. So, favored by six and a half. And, you know, this is a game that, honestly, I know we're talking about the Chargers who, before the season started, everyone was talking about as if they were some kind of a juggernaut bound for the Super Bowl. Two and two, heading into week five. The Broncos beat them at home last year. And I I think this is more of a toss-up game than maybe some of the national perspective really realizes. Yeah, uh, it's six and a half is not too uh, crazy considering the Broncos record, how they've played. And the fact that it's in Los Angeles, they get three points anyway for that game. No one is going to predict a Broncos victory. We talked about it on the on the pod with uh, Jason yesterday that they're really being counted out. But if they can spring this upset, it will get a lot of people back on the Broncos and put them back on the map, at least initially a little bit, give them some momentum and, and some positive national attention. I don't know if it's going to happen, but you know, any game, any given Sunday, you never know. 
Yes, Stephen, we are going to start there today. In fact, we're going to get to that here in just a second. First, just a couple of quick matters of business. A reminder, you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. That's how you stay plugged in. Keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. You can find Zach, as you can see here, our YouTube viewers on Twitter at KelbermanNFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. Don't forget to get your reviews and five-star rating. And if you like what you're hearing on Apple Podcasts, another phenomenal way to support the show. We are going to announce the winner on Twitter of last month's uh, giveaway for the reviews on Apple Podcasts. So stay tuned for that. Another reason to follow the show on Twitter. And then also, you guys, we do this, just a reminder, we're going to be doing this on Sunday, immediately following the game. Zach and I will come to you live simulcasting on YouTube for the Gut Reaction episode of the Huddle Up podcast. And then, as always, next week, once again, Thursday night, we'll be here at uh, around 6 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, let's take a look here at the questions. So we'll start here and then we'll kind of go back and forth with the guys that are hanging out with us live and the pre-submitted questions. This one comes from Stony Neff. He says, Zach, I think you're being too tough on Joe Flacco. You said there's not much difference between him and Case Keenum. Come on. I think Flacco has been exactly who we all thought he'd be. And he's come through in the clutch twice in four games. What clutch? They're 0-4. What what has he come through in these four games? I don't understand. I, I don't really think that comparison's way off basis. I mean, Keenum wasn't the answer, wasn't a long-term answer. He was a hold-of-fort bridge guy, and that's exactly what Flacco is. He might have a better arm. He might be a little better in the pocket. He might be taller. But for my money, the production and what they're paying the guy, there's not much difference there. So I don't really see that as a valid uh, counter-argument to my Flacco commentary. Well, just to play devil's advocate, I think what Stoney Neff's getting at there is he brought the Broncos back late in the Bears game to take that lead with 31 seconds to go, albeit a one-point lead. And then, of course, last week against the Jaguars, I'll be honest, I mean, that was a phenomenal drive. He led late in the game, clutch, went 5-for-5, 80 yards, culminating in that second touchdown pass to Cortland Sutton. So he has shown flashes, and I think really, Stoney Neff, what – we all have to come to terms with here is that 
Joe Flacco's got to find a way to sustain it and not either wait till the second half or like in the case of this Jacksonville game, finally got out to a really hot start to open a game. The Broncos were cruising. And then he allows one bump in the road, that interception at the bottom of the second quarter, to completely allow him to go into the tank until that drive. So, look, we're not saying that that Joe Flacco is the problem. We're not saying Joe Flacco is the reason the Broncos – I mean, honestly, they should be 2-2 two and two were it not for the defense. The defense couldn't get a stop in those two games, and they're 0-4. That's not Joe Flacco's fault. However, especially in this last game against the Jaguars, Zach – if he plays more consistently in the third quarter and even manages to get the Broncos a field goal on one of those possessions, we could be talking at least about one and three. It's still the if game, though. I guess if you held a gun to my head, I would take Joe Flacco, I guess, over Case Keenum, but I'm so tired of settling for average, Chad. I don't want to get a guy that can barely be good enough or barely average. I want a guy they can win with. I want a Patrick Mahomes. I want a young, exciting quarterback on this Broncos team, not a 34-year-old retread who was just booted out of Baltimore. So, yeah, he might be incrementally better in certain areas than Case Keenum, but the results speak for, them, speak for themselves. They're 0-4, and the Broncos still can't win on the strength of his arms. So that's, that's just my opinion, and uh, you guys are more than welcome to bash me for it. Steven Baumgartner on uh, the pre-submitted question, he says, I was watching some of Drew Locke's preseason highlights, and he is a lot more mobile than Flacco. What do you guys think? Thanks. Go yeah. Broncos. No doubt about it. I mean, Joe Flacco is one of the quintessential pocket statues in the NFL. Athleticism is not something he really brings to the table. He does have arm talent. He does have arm strength. He does have veteran experience. He's not a guy who can audible at the line of scrimmage for whatever reason. I'm still trying to wrap my brain away around why that has never been the case. While he's never tried to take control of that aspect of managing the game as the quarterback, but Flipping it back over to Drew Locke, absolutely. That's one of the great things about Drew Locke that I should say one of the intriguing aspects about Drew Locke that made him a, an interesting prospect coming into this draft is he's got the arm talent. He can throw off different platforms. He's got the arm strength. He's got the size, the 6'3", you know, whatever, 200-plus pounds. But that mobile, um, that ability to create and get outside the pocket, it's not just a matter of being athletic and mobile. It's that when he gets outside the pocket and he, ha- he can create opportunities for big plays at. And that's the reason why he was drawing some loose pre-draft comparisons to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's not Mahomes, but he has some mobility, and that's a big part of his game. Um, And that's why the Broncos are so excited about him. That's why the fan base should be excited. And that's the type of quarterback drawing on the Flacco question that I want to see in Denver. A guy who has a big arm, he could be a leader of this team, and has some athleticism to his game. doesn't just stand in the pocket like Joe Flacco. So the sooner that lock gets on the field, you guys will see an immediate improvement under center. And that's another thing before we get to Jacob's question here. Um, listening to the Building the Broncos podcast that published on Wednesday that on the back end of that episode, as our listeners know, Benjamin Albright was a guest. And basically when he was, you know, and Benjamin's very plugged in. He knows a lot of people in the Broncos front office, inside the building, if you will. And when he was asked, you know, we, we'll see Drew Locke at week what? He basically said that it once the Broncos are mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, I mean, we can sit here right now and say they're 0-4. Only one team has ever gone 0-4 and still made the playoffs in NFL history. But until the Broncos know, you know, there's no chance of the playoffs, then it becomes a conversation. But he went a step farther than that and said when push comes to shove, in, in Albright's opinion, Drew Locke maybe plays the final two games, all things being said. And Zach – I don't necessarily doubt that that's how it's going to shake out. What I'm saying, though, is why would you wait that long? 
you would be mathematically eliminated probably a lot sooner than that, maybe by a month. Right. And are two games really enough to inform any kind of evaluation in terms of, you know, you're, you're cruising for a top five pick. You need to know if whether or not that pick needs to be on one of the top quarterbacks in the next class. Two games, I'm not sure, is enough of a sample size, Zach. I'm right there with you, and, and it's more fence-sitting by Elway if he goes that route. Either commit to lock and really see what you have in him in a bigger sample size or just stick with Flacco the entire season. You can't have it both ways. You're going to make the change at some point. You're going to be mathematically eliminated at some point, barring a sudden turnaround. Go with your young guy, turn the page to 2020, and really see what you have. But I'm right there with you, Chad. Two games, they might as well not play him at all then. It's not enough to just see what he, they have in him. A full season isn't enough, let alone two games. You know, it just occurred to me, though, the flip side of that coin is 2017, the Chiefs wait until week 17. They have made the playoffs. They're going to rest Alex Smith. One start for Patrick Mahomes, and he didn't even throw a touchdown pass in that game. I'll remind everybody. He came back in. He he had the game in hand. Then they pulled him, put in Tyler Bray. Bray allowed the game to get back out of control somewhat, so they put Mahomes back in. He strongs arm, uh, strong arms this thing into a victory for the Chiefs. That combined with what they had seen from Mahomes behind the scenes at practice and camp, all those things in the meeting rooms were enough to convince Andy Reid and the Chiefs that time to move Alex Smith, time to move forward, turn the page with Mahomes in 2018 and beyond, and the rest is history. So it's not to say that it can't be enough to give you at least a strong idea of which way the wind's blowing, Zach, but I still would like to see a bigger sample size than one or two games from Locke. I just think there's a major difference between resting your starters and being in the playoffs and then being mathematically eliminated and having no hope of the future. I mean, the Chiefs were in a win-win situation. They had Alex Smith and Mahomes. The Broncos were really relying on Locke to be that future guy. So if they go the Locke route, I hope it's Locktober and not Locke December, whatever it is. All right, let's get to this Jacob question here. He says, can we all agree on the draft and invest strategy for the Broncos, 2018-2019 draft classes with Drew Locke included. And this kind of piggybacks off of a really good article that was published by Nick Kendall at milehighhuddle.com today on Thursday. And he's basically talking about how the Broncos have, they need to continue to kind of build a nest for Drew Locke to kind of step into. And he pointed to a, a few other young quarterbacks who have had success in the last few years, similarly from Jared Goff to Carson Wentz, to Patrick Mahomes, where many of the the table was kind of set. And then once the team said, okay, it's time for the young guy to go in, it allowed him to more kind of hit the ground running. And in the case of the Denver Broncos, I think that's one of the things that we can be encouraged about because even John Elway on that co- in that conversation with uh, Logan and Lewis on Tuesday on KOA, he said, you know, I think we're on the rise what he was really talking about a team on the rise is he's talking about the offense is finally showing signs of life. How much of that is either being held back by Flacco or how much of that is due to Flacco is kind of up in the air. We don't have enough of a sample size, Zach, but I think it's safe to say that with the emergence of players like Cortland Sutton, like Philip Lindsay, Noah Fant coming along and the offensive line finally starting to play with some, stability and some cohesion didn't allow a single sack last week and you know the Jags the flow of the game kind of didn't allow him to get the ground game going in the second half but you can kind of put that onus on Rich Scangarello but I digress the point being the nest is starting to build Zach so if you can if you're John Elway and you continue to draft and as Jacob says here invest that looks to be the formula that uh, is setting up these young quarterbacks to succeed or at least hit the ground running in the NFL. Question is, what does it mean to invest? Does that mean right now 
It's all about, you know, you go maybe one or two more games. You know that the deadline for trading is October 29th. You start unloading some of this veteran talent to stockpile picks. If it was for me, I'd already kind of mentally turned the page to 2020. I would not make any trade or make any move that has any bearing on this season. I would stock the cupboard for 2020 and beyond and really put your eggs in the lock basket and surround them with as much talent as possible. Nothing ticks me off more than when you have a young franchise quarterback prospect and you allow him to get massacred behind an off- offensive line or having no receiving weapons. If the Broncos are going to go full in with Drew Locke starting in 2020, if that happens, they have to put him in a situation where he can succeed from day one. That means protect him, give him weapons to throw to, and give him running backs to uh, take some pressure off him. They have those pieces in place. They have the keys to the car. They just have to be able to get in and start driving it away. Novets here says, could the Broncos right now even win with Mahomes? The Vikings won with Keenum, and we couldn't. Suggest to me we are a lot of puzzle pieces short. And I'm not necessarily saying, Novets, that you're wrong that the Broncos are short still a few of those puzzle pieces, but... Patrick Mahomes is the quintessential franchise guy. He is the tide that raises all ships. He is. I wouldn't say the Broncos can win or be a playoff contender with, let's say, uh, Jared Goff. But with a player like Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he's just an all-universe type quarterback prospect. He really elevates everyone around him. And I have no doubt about it. If you had Mahomes on this team, even with the injuries, even with the coaching, they'd be a 9-10 win team minimum just due to him alone. All right, this one comes from a pre-submitted question from Sinji. What's going on, guys? My statement is this. Why does everyone put blame for these losses on Flacco? Joe's made some mistakes. That is true. But our defense has been the ultimate factor in why we're 0-4. Our inability to stop the run has showed up in every game, some way, shape, or form, whether it's giving up TDs to running backs or their backs giving their offense short yardage situations. Uh, on third downs or just getting plain ran through plus the pass defense breakdown at the end of games excluding the Packers game Flacco has protected the ball and if we compare Flacco's mistakes to the defense's mistakes we could be looking at two and two or three one record and that's not necessarily something I disagree with Zach that as we touched on early in our conversation you know Flacco at least at the end of those two games week two and week four put his team in position to win the game the defense couldn't close Broncos lose both. We can't really argue against that. That's the way it shook out. But again, it comes back to what Zach is saying. We're hanging this and hinging all this on ifs. If ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we all would eat our fill. How long do you want to sit here and make excuses for the quarterback situation? How long do you want to continue to make exemptions and, and excuses for this team? No, it's not all on Flacco. We're not necessarily saying that. We haven't been saying that. It's just that especially now, Zach, with the, 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 the season basically being off the rails, the chances of this team turning anything around. I mean, even the Chargers, Phillip Rivers talked about this yesterday in his conference call with Denver Media, how the 2017 Chargers started out 0-4 and then went on to win nine of their final 12 games, finishing 9-7. and That's a phenomenal turnaround. That's one game above 500, but they still didn't make the playoffs. And they have a, a future borderline Hall of Fame quarterback. The Broncos don't have that. And how long will Broncos fans settle for mediocrity? 
Uh, again, he is not the end-all, be-all. He's not the main culprit here, but he's part of the problem. And you talk about uh, protecting the football. How about the interceptions he's thrown? How about the fumbles? He really hasn't done that great of a job either. He is not the main problem on this team, but he is not the solution. And at times, he has contributed to the problem. It's a collective failure of which Flacco is a part of. He is not standing out. He's not making it better. He is not doing anything to change the Broncos' record. Uh, they have many problems, the Broncos, but Flacco, to me, is on that list where he's not being uh, a true benefactor to this team through four games. Bawana B says, do you guys think Locke will be able to step up in the pocket better than he did in college? Locke tended to fall back to pass and his arm strength got him out of those situations in college. And that's very true. I point to the coaching though, being very different at this stage in his career, uh, being in the NFL, working with Rich Scangarello, working with TC McCartney, and Zach, I'm pretty confident to say that just seeing his progress from where he started in OTAs to where he finished before he sprained that thumb, that the coaching is obviously making a pretty solid impact on the young Drew Locke. Yeah, and we saw him in, in uh, the practices this this offseason. We saw him in the preseason. He looked shaky the first game, then really we saw a huge improvement from a week-to-week basis. He was really picking up the offense as it went along. The only caveat I will extend, if the Broncos don't want to make that a permanent problem with Locke, you got to protect him if they put him out there. You can't make him shell-shocked. You can't let him get sacked a bunch of times. You have to protect him as much as possible, or, or else it's, it's natural for any quarterback, I don't care who you are, to start drifting in the pocket, uh, showing happy feet, feeling ghosts. You don't want out with Locke. So if you can protect him, I think the coaching will make up the difference and you'll see a good guy in the pocket throwing the ball. Jonathan Miller here says, I wonder how things would have turned out if the Broncos would have kept Wade Phillips as the defensive coordinator and hired Kyle Shanahan as head coach. And that was that was a move that both Zach and I, although we weren't uh, on the same team yet, so to speak, at the time, both of us were po- pulling for Kyle Shanahan to get the job after uh, Gary Kubiak stepped down. What's your answer? I mean, that obviously would have been ideal, but it seemed like uh, they didn't want to bring back Wade Phillips. They kind of, uh, they lowballed him and he took his talents elsewhere and he got a good deal with the Rams. Kyle Shanahan, I, I can say it again, I still, I will never understand what prompted the Broncos to not hire him and go with Vance Joseph. We touched on this millions of times. All I know is if they would have somehow got that arrangement, they would have won a lot more games the last couple of years. And it, I also would have to wonder how much it might have had an impact or an effect anyway on the development of Paxton Lynch. Now, I'm not saying necessarily that Shanahan point. could have salvaged Paxton Lynch, but I think it's, it would be a pretty safe bet to wager that he would have had a stronger influence or at least better odds at being able to mine some kind of production or return on that first-round investment that, that Vance Joseph and the collection of Bill Musgrave, Mike McCoy uh, were able to get out of him post-Gary Kubiak. So, you know, it's one of those things you're always going to wonder about. But again, we wanted Kyle Shanahan, but if the quarterback situation had unfolded in a similar way that it, that it has under Vance Joseph, I'm not sure the end result, Zach, really would have been that much different. And you would have still had all this pressure after two seasons on Kyle Shanahan, at least there in, in San Francisco. You know, he's not just the head coach. He is. He has ultimate say on the roster. Like he's almost like a GM head coach in the same sense that his father was in Denver. His hire. He's the one that hired John Lynch. It wasn't the other way around. Let us not forget. So he's in a more beneficial situation. I think he's not living in his father's shadow in Denver. I think as far as the football fates and the football gods willed it, it's it's gone the way it was supposed to. Probably. 
Yeah, he was. It was a good point. He would have faced immensely more pressure in Denver than in San Francisco to live up to his father's expectation. But what we talked about, the, the the Broncos probably would have played better, but they still have to answer to John Elway, and he's still buying the groceries. He's still building this team, so uh, it comes back to the same problem that Chad hit in on. I don't think the the win loss record would be that much different than with Shanahan versus Vance Joseph, but you could da- be damn sure they would have had a more cohesive offense the last couple seasons. All right, here's one from Holy Diver. Since Todd Davis can't cover, you might as well put A.J. Johnson in there, who is at least a thumper at 255 pounds. I'm sick of our small, not aggressive inside linebackers. You know, the biggest thing, Holy Diver, is it's hard to get a a full evaluation when we still haven't really gone two full games with both Todd Davis and Josie Jewell on the field for 60 minutes. Todd Davis comes back in week three. The Broncos stop the run limit the Packers in their own house to 77 yards rushing. But Josie Jewell goes out, you know, what was it, a quarter and a half into that game. And then last week against the Jags, Josie Jewell starts. They're on the field together for maybe maybe the first quarter. And then his hamstring flares up on him again. And then Todd Davis in the second half gets completely exposed in as, as a run stuffer and fitting gaps and missing tackles. So I want to see at least a full game of those two on the field before I completely lose my, you know what, and, and faith anyway on the off ball linebacker position. But yeah, you know, here, here's the thing. If Josie Jewell is going to continue to miss time, I want Joseph Jones on the field and it's looking like he's going to be this, this week. He's practiced in full both Wednesday and Thursday, but yeah, let's, let's get as many of these young players that have shown some merit on the field and get reps as possible. And AJ Johnson's one of those guys. Yeah, Justin Hollins, too. I, I want to see the young talent come to the surface. I mean, we know what we have in Todd Davis already. You don't know what you have in these young guys. But it's something we've been screaming about all offseason, Chad. The Broncos ignored inside linebacker, and it's coming out now that it's a major weakness of their team. And that so is the secondary, so is a lot of other parts. But the inside linebacking core, they can't pass cover. They can't stop the run particularly well. They're not doing anything good. So if they're going to lose, they're going to struggle, I'd rather the young guys get reps while they're doing that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. The world is always on. But you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's sleeping spree event, save up to 50% on ceiling. With queen mattresses starting at $349.99. Only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Malcolm Brown says, what will be the level of functionality of Scangarella's West Coast offense if Emmanuel Sanders, the fastest and quickest wide receiver, is not replaced? 
it's kind of a confusing question, but I think I know what you're trying to say here. The Broncos need that speed. And this is something that Nick Kendall also touched on in that article I previously mentioned on Thursday, milehighhuddle.com, is you take away Emmanuel Sanders, you take away even Cortland Sutton, and the trio of, well, let's keep Sutton in there, actually, of Sutton, Hamilton, and Juwan Winfrey might be the slowest trio of wide receivers in the NFL. That ain't good. And that's something right now, it's the only thing, I shouldn't say it's the only thing, but it's the biggest thing Sanders brings to the table in terms of a distinguishable impact and difference when he's on the field. He can stretch that. Not only is he a phenomenal route runner, great hands, energy, playmaker to boot underneath and in space, but he's got that speed to challenge defenses vertically. And Zach, that's something that the Broncos really need to find. Similarly to, look, let's see what Kansas City did the last couple of drafts just searching for that speed. Nicole Hardman this year in the draft, you got to find some of those burners and not just a guy that's fast like Brandon Langley, but a polished wide receiver who can turn it down the field. Yeah. I get the question uh, that Sanders is the, is the, the token, the burner in this offense and every West coast scheme should have one. I agree with that, but Sanders is not the end all be all of this offense. If they take him away, the offense is going to suddenly collapse. If they do replace him though, which I think they will, they'll get another fast guy. They'll sign one, they'll draft one, they'll trade for one. They'll have a, a, a speedy receiver in the offense. But then again, they have Philip Lindsay. They have no offense. They have some speed on offense. They just have to find that pure number one burner type. If that's Sanders for next year, that's Sanders. But either way, going forward, maybe find whoever fills that role. All right, we've got time for a couple of more. we got to keep this particular simulcast a little bit shorter than we might normally. This one comes from Tony. He says, my plan is trade or cut Derek Wolf, trade Emmanuel Sanders and Chris Harris Jr., and get back some picks, develop young players. Our biggest team needs are offensive line and defensive line. You can't win if you can't win at the line of scrimmage. And in a lot of what you're saying there is true, but the thing you got to keep in mind is it's not just dump these guys for whatever you can get because Derek Wolf, you know, he's it wouldn't surprise me if after this year he ends up retiring. We know that's something he's been mulling over for a couple of years now. He's a new father. We'll see how the health plays out for him this year. But Sanders and Harris, they clearly are going to con- plan on continue to play after 2019. Both of them are going to be gone in all likelihood from Denver. And both of them are probably going to return the Broncos a third-round compensatory pick, albeit in 2021, but a third-round pick. Now, Zach, if you're John Elway and the phone's ringing, I'm not listening to any offer that's probably not better than a third-round pick because I know down the line I'm going to be getting that back when they sign elsewhere. Right. And here's my thing about these questions that come up about dumping players. While it's always nice to stock, stockpile capital, you have to find a, a, a tango, a partner to tango with, a guy to dance with, a partner to trade for these players. It's not mad and you can't turn the AI off and just make any trade you want. you got to find a team willing to take these players on. Among that list, I mean, maybe Chris Harris Jr., maybe Emmanuel Sanders. No one's going to take on Derek Wolf, especially not for a third, fourth round pick. So if they want to cut these guys or they want to get rid of them, they might have to just bite the bolt and release them. Um, I have no doubt Elway will work the phones. I just don't know if he can find anyone that wants to take their quote-unquote damaged goods off their hands. Jordan, hey, nice hat, dude. Winner of the August giveaway for a review on Apple Podcasts. Hey, guys, what positions on the offensive side do you want to see the Broncos upgrade to build the nest for Drew Luck? 
Zach, what's your answer for Jordan? Uh, one that screams to mind, first of all, is left tackle because I do not trust Garrett Bowles and leave him in his own devices there protecting my future franchise quarterback in Drew Locke. I would like uh, a consistent wide receiver that can be, uh, you know, they mentioned uh, Jerry Judy, the, the the college receiver. That's one guy I would like the Broncos, maybe not to pull the trigger on, but his type of talent. You need a bona fide speedster number one receiver. Other than that, though, maybe a guard inside, but a left tackle and just uh, protect him first and foremost. I don't want Locke back there taking a lot of hits. You've got to get him a good front five. Well said. I think you got to look ahead to wait the way this offensive line uh, you know, Ron Leary is going to be gone after this year in all likelihood, even though he's under contract next year. I mean, this is a guy that is treading water, fighting against all hope to stay healthy and on the field this year. And he has played better, at least the last last game. He played better, no holding penalties that I can remember off the top of my head, no sacks, been solid uh, as a run blocker. But that's probably a position the team really needs to look at upgrading via the draft. Maybe Elijah Wilkinson, since he started seven games there for the Broncos in 2018, could be an option there. But still, you're going to need at least a swing tackle because at this point, if you go out and give Garrett Bowles the fifth-year option, man, you are tempting the football fates because now you're, you know what is on the table. Your butt's out on the line, and he might just end up coming back to haunt you on that regard. So left tackle is something. Right guard is one of them. I think Connor McGovern is going to get re-signed, so that's not as much of an issue. The burner wide receiver that we talked about, and I think at that stage you have many, you have pretty much all the pieces in place that you need to yeah. to make this thing work. So let's grab one more here, Zach, and then we'll we'll bounce for the night. This is from Deshaun Berube. Apologies if I didn't pronounce your name correctly. Who do you think is the best rookie so far this season, Zach? Uh, I mean, there's so many in, in the NFL. I don't really know one that comes to mind. Uh, I would, I'm would. i only going to say this because I, I wanted the Broncos to draft him. I think Devin Bush is playing really well for the Steelers right now, and I think he would look really, really good in a Broncos uniform uh, this season. He's one guy, Devin White, inside linebacker. They didn't have much of a shot at him. I am overall, though, I wasn't crazy about the fan selection, but I'm pretty much happy with the Broncos draft hall. I'm pretty much happy with the rookie players, and I think they'll, uh, they'll blossom into uh, starting caliber players for the future. It has to be Dalton Reisner for me at this point, as far as the best rookie so far. Well, I thought you meant NFL rookie, any any sort of rookie around the NFL. Well, is that what is that what? Uh, that was my 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 train of thought was going. Maybe it was. Who do you think is the best rookie? So, um, well, I'll just keep it on the Broncos side anyway for my my response to that. Dalton Reisner clearly been the best rookie for the yeah, Broncos anyway, yeah. followed by maybe Noah Fant probably right there behind him. Um, Justin Hollins, at least in the regular season, has not been good. We don't know yet. Drew Locke's been hurt since the third preseason game, so we need to see him back out on the field. But that's still very much in the up in the air. But I know the team is absolutely tickled with both uh, Dalton Reisner and Noah Fant. In fact, what was it, Wednesday, uh, Vic Fangio called them both cornerstone players for this team. They're going to be part of the foundation of this team moving forward. So, uh, and yeah, Tony, Jerry Judy, Definitely is one of those polished speed guys. And then this question here uh, from Sheldon about, he says, Zach, Chad, hope your day went good. I was wondering, since Nick and Carl don't do any YouTube videos or live streams, what would you guys' priority in the next draft would, what our priority in the next draft would be? Keep up the great work. Love the podcast and the other content you guys produce. By the way, uh, Nick and, and Carl can do live streams. They just have to set it up. So you guys, if you want to see that from those boys, you just hit them up and let them know. But what do you think should be the biggest priority in the draft next season, Zach? For me, I'm, I'm, I'm still weighing that as the season continues on, but inside linebackers up there for me. 
depending on how, if this version of Garrett Bowles steadies out, and this is what we see from him the rest of the year, I could live with the Broncos waiting on taking an offensive tackle till the second or third round, you know, early to late day two, and just go all in for the the best inside linebacker in this class next year. But if you're in a top five, I don't know that you want to spend a top five pick on an inside linebacker. Maybe in that case, you trade back and and stockpile some picks and try and grab one later on. Right. There's so many variables here, and I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the season. I don't think the Broncos are going to take a quarterback with a top 10 pick. For my money, though, it's got to be an offensive lineman, either a guard or a tackle, because not only is Garrett Bowles Garrett Bowles, but Juwan James isn't looking like any sort of prize either. You have no consistency there. You have to have two edge protectors for Drew Locke, so uh, you don't have much confidence in either right now. I would use that first-round pick on the best tackle, best lineman, and just build those trenches up. They also really need to bolster their cornerback depth. Corner is on the other side of the ball. It might not be stacking the nest on the offensive side for Drew Locke like we've been talking about, but that has to be, whether it's through free agency or the draft, they need to improve that talent. And who knows? Maybe by the end of this season, we won't be quite as worried about the cornerback depth because we'll have been able to see Bryce Callahan on the field and right. he'll he'll be able to earn some of that $7 million, uh, he's making this year. But as of right now, Zach, he's an unknown quantity, at least as a Bronco. And until he is a little bit more known, that's going to be a concern. But you guys, that has to do it, unfortunately, for today's episode, this week's episode of, of the Mile High Mailbag. Thank you all who have been hanging out with us live on the YouTube simulcast, all your questions, all your engagement, everyone who got your questions in early. We appreciate you guys. And uh, this is easily the podcast that Zach and I look forward to the most each and every week. So keep it coming. And in the meantime, make sure you are following the show on Twitter, a reminder at huddle up pod. You can see that you can find Zach on Twitter. there at Kelberman NFL myself at Chad and Jensen for our podcast listeners. You're getting this on Friday uh, on your RSS feed, whether you listen to Apple podcasts or if you're on Castbox or Stitcher Spreaker, whatever you're getting this on Friday The next day, Saturday, you'll have another episode of Building the Broncos with the Scouts Eye Preview, looking ahead at this Chargers game. So stay tuned for that. For Zach Kelberman, Zach, have a good night, brother. Have a great weekend. You too. And uh, we'll talk to you guys Sunday with the gut reaction right here on YouTube, simulcasting immediately following Broncos Chargers. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. 
The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.